I made a passing comment in the previous episode, that being episode 58, the one on geopolitics. I mentioned something about time and how I don't subscribe to the calendar concept. I can't fathom why we need to count 2,022 years since Jesus as a measure, but okay, I can understand the need to measure something somewhere, and the Son of Man may as well be the benchmark. After all, who actually rules the world? In this episode, I want to somewhat explain and elaborate on that a little bit more. I'm also fascinated not just by time, but by the end of times. They say space is the final frontier, but is it really? For us mere mortals, who have a limited shelf life, time happens to be the most precious of commodities. History is littered with dates and years. What happened on the 22nd of January, 1622? I can tell you it was a Tuesday, and, well, I don't know what really happened on that specific day, but I do know that in Central Europe, the Bohemian Wars were ongoing in January. For the rest of the world, that event was meaningless. And what happened on the 12th of January, 2022? Well, this episode was released. And what is a year? A year is a rotation around the sun. So this time last year, we were where we are now as a planet around the sun. The system based on Jesus, although odd it may sound, it's what it is. The year 2022 is just that, since Jesus. What about the months of the year? Well, the Romans invented those. The entire calendar system in use is set up by Julius Caesar and then reformed by Pope Gregory XIII. Their systems known as the Julian and Gregorian calendaring systems. Then we have the weeks that make up the months. No name for the weeks, they are numbered. Each week has seven days. Days are not numbered like the days of the weeks. They have names like Thursday or Monday. The days break into 24 hours on a clock. That then breaks into 60 minutes an hour and 60 seconds in a minute. This was all invented, invented by humans, for humans, to control humans. If you are one of those freedom-loving peoples and feel you have freedom and free will, etc., you are losing that freedom the second, yes, second or nanosecond, you subscribe to time and the management of time. Meet a friend at 3 p.m., slave to time. Something was invented. Ikanga literal meaning the strength of movement, is a horned elusi found among the Igobo people in southeastern Nigeria. Apologies for the mispronunciations there. It is one of the most powerful symbols of the Igobo people and the most common cultural artifact. Ikanga is mostly maintained, kept or owned by men and occasionally by women of high reputation and integrity in society. It compromises someone's chi or personal god. His ancestors, aka, aka Ekenga, the right hand, Aiki, the power, as well as a spiritual activation through prayer and sacrifice. Two-faced Ekenga is the oldest concept of Ekenga in Agobo land. It is a two-faced god with one face looking at the old year while one face looks at the new year. This is the basis of the oldest and most ancient Igobo calendar, as a god of beginnings. 
this isn't the only concept of type. There's more. Manat was a Semitic goddess worshipped in the Arabian Peninsula before the rise of Islam and Islamic prophet Muhammad in the 7th century. She was among Mecca's three chief goddesses alongside her sisters, Alat and Al-Uzah, considered a goddess of fate, fortune, time and destiny. When the Norns, who are deities in Norse mythology responsible for shaping the course of human destinies, came up, Urth is the Norn of the past. Merendi is the Norn of the present. Skullud is the Norn of the future. These deities form different time periods and different locations, yet they have the same task, whether it's Norse, whether it's Arabic, whether it's Nigerian. It's about time, fate, and destiny. The concept of time does not exist in nature. Something passes. It passes through. But is it time or is it something else? Is it just existence? And why do we have to measure existence in such a way? Time does actually have a technical definition. It is the continued sequence of existence and events that occurs in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present into the future. Interestingly, artifacts from Paleolithic eras suggest that the moon was used to reckon time as early as 6,000 years ago. Lunar calendars were among the first to appear, with years of either 12 or 13 lunar months. That's either 354 or 384 days. So today's timekeepers are no different, technically, than those of 6,000 years ago. The Wheel of Time, or the Wheel of History, also known as the Kalat Chakra, is a concept found in several religious traditions and philosophies, most notably religions of Indian origin, such as Hinduism, Sikhism, and Buddhism, along with Jainism. This regards time as cyclical and consisting of repeating ages. Many of the cultures contain beliefs in similar concepts, most notably the Kuro natives of Peru. In Hindu cosmology, Kala, time, is eternal, repeating general events in four types of cycles. The smallest cycle is a Mahayugya, or the Great Age, containing four yugyas, dharmic ages, in other words, Satyayugya, Tetrayugya, Dapvayugya, and Kaliyugya. The Mahavantra, or the Age of Manu, contains 71 Mahayugyas. Time is a human obsession. Elephants don't obsess about time. Zebras don't obsess about time. Only humans seem to obsess about time. Midday is when the sun is overhead. It's midday in Liverpool, while midday in Manchester is different. Because the sun is above you at different times, even though Manchester and Liverpool are very close to one another. That's why GMT helps. It's there to help you. It helps trains leave on time and arrive on time. Well, arrive on schedule, technically. But also, humans were able to create time zones after that for different parts of the planet. Some people have an hour's difference for winters and summers. It's insanity. We play around with time so much, yet we put everything towards it. So hopefully by now you are seeing how and why I find it odd. 
Then we have the year, of course, 2022. That's the year of this podcast publication. But what the hell is 2022? In the olden days, you'd measure the years based on the reign of the monarch. So Amenhotep III, pharaoh of Egypt, year one was a year or so after he became king or pharaoh. The system continued for centuries in many cultures around the world. Then, once the king of kings, you know, aforementioned Jesus, they started the clock there, making life before Jesus, before Christ, and then after him, Anno Domini, B.C. and A.D. It's all rather strange that we are in 2022, when you know and I know that Jesus was born when Augustus was emperor of Rome, and they, the Romans, ruled over Judea, a province in empire. Anyway, we need to get over that, because we do need a measure. And Jesus did win that particular battle because his followers, ultimately, at least in the last 250 or 300 years, pretty much ruled the world. And just when the obsession with time started to become a thing in the Enlightenment, the earliest recorded philosophy of time was by the ancient Egyptian thinker Palanhotep, and I probably am pronouncing that incorrectly, who was around 2650 to 2600 BC, who said, follow your desire as long as you live and do not perform more than what is ordered. Do not lessen the type of the following desire, for the wasting of time is an abomination to the spirit. In 1781, yes, 1781 AD, that is, even I use times and dates, Immanuel Kant published a critique of pure reason one of the most influential works in the history of the philosophy of space and time. And I quote, Space is not something objective and real, nor a substance, nor an accident, nor a relation. Instead, it is subjective and ideal, and originates from the mind's nature in accord with a stable law as a scheme, as it were for coordinating everything sensed externally. End quote. Albert Einstein proposed that the laws of physics should be based on the principle of relativity. This principle holds that the rules of physics must be the same for all observers, regardless of the frame of reference that is used, and that light propagates the same speed in all reference frames. Henry Louis Bergson, born 18th of October 1859, died 4th of January 1941, was a French philosopher, and I did it again, didn't I? I used a measure of time for his birth and death. Anyway, Bergson is known for his arguments that process all immediate experience and intuition are more significant than abstract rationalism and science. Based on what he called duration, Bergson sought to improve upon inadequacies he perceived in the philosophy of Herbert Spencer, due, he believed, to Spencer's lack of comprehension of mechanics which led Bergson to conclude that time eluded mathematics and science. Bergson became aware that the moment one attempted to measure a moment, it would be gone. One measures an immobile, incomplete line, whereas time is mobile and incomplete. British astrophysicist Arthur Eddington, back in 1927, introduced the arrow of time also called Time's Arrow, a concept proposing the one-way direction or asymmetry of time, that time goes in one direction. It goes forward. Or does it? 
Because time allegedly goes in one direction, we consider the past history and now the present and the future the future. The direction of history is also part of Abrahamic religious traditions. Although the two great doctors, Dr. Who and Doc Brown from Back to the Future movies, are able to travel through time, it is a human myth that time even exists for us to travel into and out of. Time only exists, in my view, because we are finite beings. Eternal beings would not feel time. You just feel existence and also be bored out of your mind if you live forever. If humans were eternal, Alexander the Great, Basil II, and Gandhi would all be around today. But so would Adolf Hitler, George W. Bush Sr., Stalin, and Mao. We would not want that now, would we? In addition to the arrow of time, we also have the obsession about the end of times. The end of time. Also called the end. End of days, the last days, the final days, doomsday, is a future described in the final event of history. In many world religions, both Abrahamic and non-Abrahamic, but more profound in the Abrahamic texts, which teach us that the world events would ultimately reach a climax and it will be both newsworthy and a dramatic and be a complete end of things. The Abrahamic religions maintain a linear cosmology with the end time scenarios containing themes of transformation and redemption. In later Judaism, the term end of days makes references to the messianic age and includes an ingathering of the exiled Jewish diaspora, the coming of the Messiah and the resurrection of righteousness and the world to come. Some forms of Christianity depict the end of time as a period of tribulation that precedes the second coming of Christ, who will face the Antichrist along with his power structure and usher in the kingdom of God. In Islam, the day of judgment is preceded by the appearance of the Al-Rasi Al-Jadal and followed by the descending of Isa, either Jesus, Jesus will triumph over the false messiah or the antichrist, which will lead to a sequence of events that will lead or end with the sun rising from the west and the beginning of the Judgment Day era. Dharmic religions tend to have more cyclical worldviews, with end times eschatologies characterized by decay, redemption, and rebirth. In Hinduism, the end time occurs when Kaliki final incarnation of Vishnu descends upon or atop a white horse and brings an end to the current Kalyuga. In Buddhism, the Buddha predicted his teachings would be forgotten after 5,000 years, followed by turmoil. The Buddha Vista, named Marietta, will appear and rediscover the teachings of the Dharma. The ultimate destruction of the world will then come through seven suns. In Hindu eschatology, time is cyclic and consists of kalpas. Each lasts four to eight billion years, which is a period of one full day and night for Brahma, who will be alive for 311 trillion 40 billion years. Within a kalpa, there are periods of creation 
preservation and decline. After this larger cycle, all of creation will contract to a singularity. At this time of chaos, the final of Dar Kaliki, endowed with eight superhuman faculties, will appear on a white horse. Kaliki will amass an army to establish righteousness upon the earth and leave the minds of the people as pure as crystal. At the completion of Kali Yuga, the next Yuga cycle will begin with a new Satya Yuga, in which all will once again be righteous with the re-establishment of Dharma. This, in turn, will be followed by eras of Tetra Yuga, Devra Yuga, and again another Kali Yuga. This cycle will then repeat till the larger cycle of existence under Brahma returns to the singularity and a new universe is born. Buddhists actually have an interesting take. History is embedded in the continuing process of Samarsa or the beginninglessness and endless cycles of birth, death, rebirth. Buddhists believe there is an end to things, but it is not final because they are bound to be born again. Writers of the Mahayana Buddhist scriptures establish a specific end-time account in Buddhist tradition, describing the return of Martya Buddha, who would bring about an end to the world. The Buddha described in his teachings disappearing 5,000 years from when he preached them, corresponding approximately to the year 4,300 since he was born in 623 BCE. At this time, knowledge of dharma will be lost as well. The last of his relics will be gathered in Bodhgaya and criminated. There will thus be a new era in which the next Buddha will appear, but it will be preceded by a fall in value of human society. This will be a period of greed, lust, poverty, ill will, violence, murder, impiety, physical weakness, sexual depravity and societal collapse. And even the Buddha himself will be forgotten. Norse mythology depicts the end of days as Ragnarok, an old Norse term translatable as Twilights of the Gods. It will be heralded by a devastation known as Flimbrufter, which will seize Migdard in cold and darkness. And I know I'm butchering those words. The sun and the moon will disappear from the sky and poison will fill the air. The dead will rise from the ground and there will be widespread despair. The founder of the Pai faith, Baha'u'llah, claimed to be the return of Christ as well as the fulfillment of prophetic expectations of other religions. Speaking of Christ, some first century Christians believed Jesus would return during their lifetime when the converts of Paul in Thessalonica were persecuted by the Roman Empire. They believed the end of days to be imminent. Scholarly consensus would hold that Jesus, and following him in the early Christians, they understood that the end time was almost upon us. In the New Testament, Jesus refers to this period preceding the end of times as the Great Tribulation, Affiliation, and the Days of Vengeance. The book of Matthew describes in some detail the devastation when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. 
let him which is on the housetop not come down. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor shall ever be. And expect those days should be shortened. There should be no flesh to be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Well, the resulting chaos, therefore, will affect pregnancies, newborns, and a scourge will spread throughout the flesh, save for the elect, whoever that may be. The vivid imagery of this section is repeated closely in Mark, and I quote again here. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand. However, to answer for I will give you a mouth in wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. End quote. Muslim Sunnis and Muslim Shias believe the dead will then stand in a grand assembly, awaiting a scroll detailing their righteous deeds, sinful acts and ultimate judgment. Muhammad will be the first to be resurrected. Punishments will include adhab or severe pain and embarrassment and kizi or shame. There will, be, there will also be a punishment of the grave between death and the resurrection. The signs of the coming end of times are divided into major and minor signs. Following the second period, the third is said to be marked by ten great major signs known as Lamatu Salah al-Purba, the major signs of the end. Number one, a huge black cloud of smoke will cover the earth. Number two, three sinkings of the earth one in the east. Number three, one sinking of the earth in the west. Number four, one sinking of the earth in Arabia. Number five, the false messiah, the Antichrist, shall appear with great powers as one-eyed man with his right eye blind and deformed like a grape. Although believers will not be deceived, he will claim to be God to hold the keys to heaven and hell and will lead many astray. In reality, his heaven is hell, and his hell is heaven. The Dilaj will be followed by 70,000 Jews of Ifshan wearing Persian, Persian shawls. Number six, the return of Jesus from the fourth sky to kill the Jal. Number seven, Gog and Magog, a Japhetic tribe of vicious beings who had been imprisoned, will break out. They will ravage the earth, drink all the water of Lake Tabaras, and kill all believers in their way. Jesus, Imam al-Mahdi, and the believers with them will go to the top of a mountain and pray for the destruction of Gog and Magog. God eventually will send disease and worms to wipe them out. Number eight, the sun will rise from the west. Number nine, 
the beast of the earth will come out of the ground and talk to people. And number 10, the second blow of the trumpet will be sounded, the dead will return to life, and a fire will come out of Yemen, and that shall gather to all Mashar al-Qawama, i.e. the gathering for judgment. In rabbinic literature, rabbis elaborated and explained the prophecies that were found in the Hebrew Bible, along with oral law and rabbinic traditions about its significance. The main tenets of Jewish eschatology, in no particular order, include God will redeem Israel from the captivity that began during the Babylonian exile in an exodus. God will return the Jewish people to the land of Israel. God will restore the house of David and the temple in Jerusalem. God will raise up a regent from the house of David, the Jewish Messiah, to lead the Jewish people and the world and to usher in an age of justice and peace. Nations will recognize that God of Israel is the only one true God. God will resurrect the dead. God will create a new heaven and earth. Zoroastrian eschatology is considered one of the oldest in recorded history, and I leave the final word to them. At the end of thy tenth hundredth winter, the sun is more unseen and more spotted. The year, month, and day are shorter, and the earth is more barren, and the crop will not yield the seed and men become more deceitful and more given to vile practices. They will have no gratitude. Honorable wealth will proceed to those perverted faith, and a dark cloud makes the whole sky night, and it will rain more noxious creatures than water. Wow. That, by the way, is the end of this episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Until next time. Adios.